0: Hello, and welcome to Property Money Trees, Maximizing Property Values, the once a month show where I break down the steps of how to recognize, enhance, and then extract the values in property in order to create wealth. Would you like to find out how you can benefit from the steps of maximizing property values? This is even if you don't own a property yet or have a deposit. If that's a yes, then you're in the right place to find out. My name is Patricia Ogen faber and although many know me for my work as a solicitor, on this show, you will be getting the benefit of my 30 plus years worth of experience of maximizing property values, experience which has given me a net worth in millions. So who might benefit from listening to this show? Literally anyone with an interest in creating property wealth. Hello and welcome back. Well, I bet you my regulars are are wondering, they're thinking, what is this topic all about? Hosea 4.6? What has that got to do with property? People who know the Bible will be thinking, oh my goodness, we thought this this was a property podcast, not one about the Bible. But... People, what does Hosea 4 6 actually say? It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, that, yeah, clearly was to do with, like, you know, the people of Israel. However, The same principle can apply to our property businesses. The lack of knowledge can destroy a business right in its tracks. Is that what we want to happen to our businesses? Obviously not. So we need to get ourselves educated. We need to get people who know, who can tell us what, you know, the relevant things are about what we're doing and then we can make the right decisions for our businesses. Yet we do not want to be a Hosea 4-6 person, someone who is destroyed for lack of knowledge, someone who allows their business to be destroyed because they are not educated. They do not have the relevant knowledge. Anyway, that is what this series is going to be about. It's going to be about the importance of the right knowledge so that we can make the right decisions for our businesses. And this particular one, this particular episode, so I'm going to do a series of them. If you've been listening to me, you will know that I love doing series. Anyway, um, this particular one is going to be about auction purchases when we buy leases. And let me just try and highlight the danger of doing that without the right knowledge, especially if you happen to be unfortunate and you happen to go and bid and win one of those leases that nobody really wants, but you've bought it because you didn't know what you ought to have known, what you would have known if you'd gone and paid for a solicitor to actually advise you on what you were going to bid on in the auction. So let me start from the very beginning. What is a lease? So a lease is a contract between the owner of the land and somebody who wants to use that land, but not permanently, so they only get it for a period of time, and the parties will then decide on their relationship through the various rights and obligations that they put into the lease. So you will have a landlord will grant the right to live in the in the property it could be land that's leased it could be a house that is leased but usually it's flats because um you where you've got flats you must have you know the people agreeing to do certain things so they might share utilities or they might share um, um communal areas And if there isn't a lease that's going to say, well, you know, this is how the communal areas are going to be dealt with. You might have, say, like one leaseholder saying, well, actually, I want the communal area for, you know, for myself or I'm not going to allow you to walk past my door, you know, or something else that might just be as unreasonable. However, The lease will provide, you know, the various clauses that will make sure that none of that can happen and that each leaseholder can actually enjoy their property without interference from, you know, other leaseholders. So the lease document, the lease contract is actually very, very important. So, yes, so you have the freeholder, the owner of the land, and you have the leaseholder, the person who's actually going to be using the land. Like I said, most people who are going to be involved in leasehold properties are going to be dealing with flats anyone who knows me knows that I love flats, absolutely love them. So this is not anything against flats. It It's just what it is. As long as like you're properly advised, so you have the right information, then you will be absolutely fine and okay. Now, so you have your freeholder, you have your leaseholder. Now, for contracts to be binding, there has to be consideration. Now, <laughs> again this is a legal term and many 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 years ago the courts decided that consideration just had to be anything that was of value now it doesn't have to be high value it just has to be of some value that you don't already own now for lots of contracts the consideration is the mutual um obligations in the contract. However, the more important the contract, you also want for there to be no doubt whatsoever that consideration has been paid or is being paid. And that is why you would have some contracts will say for the sum of one pound. So one pound is nothing. Most people can afford one pound you know particularly when you you look at the sums in the contract itself you, you know 1 pound is you know not a problem but most people in property will also be familiar with the term peppercorn a peppercorn rent and a peppercorn if you if you think about it think about maybe going to the supermarket and buying a box of black peppers um and each peppercorn is is what is being referred to as the consideration for the lease in question so if you if you extend your lease um, and i have spoken about that i've done podcasts on that the sta- the statutory process if you go through you know what the the section 42 procedure you will be uh, entitled to extend your lease by 90 years at a peppercorn rent so that's where the peppercorn comes into it now again people are saying don't go for the peppercorn do you know what it 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 really exhausts me. they're saying don't go for the peppercorn because if you go for a peppercorn, there are some lenders now who are saying they don't want peppercorn um, leases because there's no incentive for the landlord to carry on doing what they're doing. And they may just walk away. Now, that to me is absolute nonsense because there may not be a financial incentive for the landlord to carry on doing what they're doing. However, the uh, the rights and the duties that the landlord has entered into with other leaseholders means that they're not going to be walking away, especially if they have other assets, because if a landlord doesn't fulfill the duties of um, um that they say they're going to carry out in the lease, then they can be sued and the courts can award the leaseholders damages, especially if they have been damaged. If they've suffered any loss due to the the landlord's inaction or the landlord's failure to carry out the landlord's duties, then the courts can award damages against the landlord. So you know, landlords are, they have every incentive to carry out their duties. Anyway, that is just by the by. So we we have that situation, you know, we've got the landlord, we've got the, the the tenant, so we've got the freeholder and the leaseholder, sorry, I'm, I'm going into legal jargon here, landlord and tenant, um, so we've got the freeholder, we've got the leaseholder, we've got the contract between them, and we have the, so when when, when the contract is is first done, which if it's a new build block of flats, it will be when those flats are first being sold, when they're first being offered onto the market for sale. And it's the same with um, conversions. Um, So if you have, you know, you know, a a small block of, um, you know, converted flats, if they are being offered up for sale, then leases will be created for each of those flats. Um, And you also have, you know, people who convert, you know, houses into flats and they don't, you know, create leases for the flats um, because they don't, you know, they don't intend to actually sell, you know, the flats at that point in time. And, um, And just to actually just drop it in there, you can't, if you own the freehold, say, of a building and then you convert it into flats, you can't just create leases for the flats, you know, for yourself because the law doesn't allow for the same person to own both the freehold and the leasehold in a property what will happen is the leasehold will collapse back into the freehold so it the effect of it will be like you hadn't created the leaseholds there are ways that people deal with it when they need to create the leaseholds and if you if you if you are in this situation you want to get you proper legal advice and you want to get proper tax advice as well. The first creation of a lease is the grant of a lease. So when the the subsequent sales of the lease is actually called an assignment of the lease. So they, they are like two slightly different things. So the grant is the very, very first one. And then the subsequent ones where, you know, the first leaseholder sells onto the to the next leaseholder and so on and so forth those are called assignments um so when the lease is being granted it could be for any number of years it could be for 21 years it could be for 50 years it could be for 99 years it could be for 900 years but most leases are granted for, you know, today. We're, we're in, we are in 2021. They're normally granted for about 125 years. Um, so you've got your 125 year lease. You've got, as I said, the lease, which is the contract between the parties. Um, the lease. So this is the 125 years, or the 25 years, or the 21 years, or the 900 years is the length of time that the freeholder is saying the leaseholder can use that property, you know, subject to the terms and conditions of the lease. So that is called the term. It's it's the length of period and it will usually be um, um, stipulated along the lines of um, this lease is being granted for a 125 years from the first day of January, 2021 or whatever date it is that you know the parties agree on or the leasehold or the freeholder wants that is how the term is normally sort of like set out then to make sure and to doubly make sure that you know there is consideration between the parties for the lease you then have the situational ground rent which is a nominal no, which was supposed to be a, a nominal sum of money to be paid to the freeholder by the leaseholder every year. So originally, these amounts would have been like £10 a year, sometimes for the whole length of the lease, um, and sometimes going up every 25 or 33 years. Um, so initial leases used to be for 99 years so you'd have like maybe like 10 pounds for the first 30, 33 years and then you'd have it going up to maybe like 20 pounds for the next 33 years and then finishing off at maybe 50 pounds for the rest of the term and you will you will find like different ground rent clauses for different leases and so it it, it none of that is really important what is important is that you are aware of how much ground rent you are going to have to pay under that lease. Now, why is this important? It's important because of the Housing Act of 1988. Now, section one of the Housing Act provides for what is going to be an assured Tenancy and within the Housing Act, assured tenancies can be reclaimed, or you know, the the underlying property for assured tenancies can be reclaimed by landlords under the procedures which mandates the courts to give possession to them. Now most of us are going to be familiar as landlords of the section 21 uh, procedure as well as the section 8 procedure. So section 21 is it's called a no fault evictions procedure which again the government is saying it wants to look into and perhaps um, ban and we also should be aware if we are landlords of the section 8 procedure. Now section 8 is contains mandatory grounds for possession. If you go to court and you can prove your Section 8 grounds, the court must give possession. Must. Now, normally with long leaseholds, if the tenant didn't pay the rent and then after 21 days, the landlord could actually start Oh, sorry, the freeholder, it's, it's the same thing. I, I, I'm just so used to calling the freeholder a, a landlord. Um, the freeholder could actually start proceed, pre, you know, proceedings in court to take back the lease and without paying, without paying, it's called forfeiture. Now, if the, if the freeholder got to court, what the judges would normally say is, no, that is not fair. So you leaseholder, you've been a bit naughty, not paying your ground rent. Go pay your ground rent and/or service charges, whatever it might be that you know the freeholder is claiming forfeiture for. Pay it all up, and then you pay the costs of this action. Um, and if you can't pay it, your you know your the person who's loaned you money, you know your mortgage company will pay it for you. And if they don't, then the landlord, sorry, the freeholder can then have the property. So normally you would find that those monies would be found and they would be paid, if not by the leaseholder, then by the mortgage company. Because the the value of that property to them and the value of their loan is going to be a lot, 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 lot more than you know, the ground rent and the service charges or whatever else that hasn't been paid. So that worked brilliantly for everyone until the Housing Act of 1988, which then could make some long leaseholds assured tenancies. Now, which long leaseholds can become assured tenancies? They are leases where the ground rents can be so they don't have to be at the moment, but they can in the future be two hundred and fifty pounds a year or more, and that figure becomes a thousand pounds if you're in Greater London. So if you're not within Greater London, and your that you your your lease can charge you ground rents of. 250 or more pounds per annum, then you could be holding an assured tenancy. Your, your, Your lease could be that. And that is problematic for lenders, because that literally just diminishes the value of, you know, their lending, of their security. It can become nothing. And also... Under the Housing Act, the the freeholder doesn't have to tell the mortgage company what they're doing. They don't have to. They just have to wait for that money to be owing and then, you know, use whatever procedure they want to use to get that property back. Now, if you're dealing with a very unscrupulous freeholder, you can see how they would want to do that. Um, land, lenders do not want to take that chance and who can blame them? So quite a number of lenders will not lend on such properties. So if your property outside of Greater London can incur ground rents of £250 per year or more, boom, you've got problems. And if you're within Greater London and that figure can go up to a thousand pounds or more, again, it's a problem. They just, they're, they're not interested. So there may well still be some people who can be or will be interested and will be willing to lend on, you know, such properties, but they are very few and far between these days. So I have picked an auction purchase as being the one that could entrap people who don't know what they're doing and the reason for for doing this is it's 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 plain it's quite straightforward if you're buying on the open market then your solicitor is going to let the lender know or you know if if the same solicitor is acting for both of you and if you've got separate solicitors the lender's solicitor is going to let the lender know that you've got one of those leases and the lender's either going to say, get the ground rent clause changed, or they might just say, you know, we're not interested, we're not going to lend on it. And okay, fine, you might have paid, you know, your survey fees, you might have incurred some legal fees, but all in all, your losses will be limited to maybe about £2,000 or similar. If, on the other hand, You've heard about people buying leases, could be short leases, could be whatever leases. And you're thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely fantastic. I've learned everything that I need to know. I've been in clubhouse rooms. I've, I've listened to podcasts. I've watched YouTube videos. Yep, yep, yep. Leases. That's the way to go. That's the way I'm going. But you don't know about this ground rent problem and you see something in an auction because it won't sell on the open market it can't sell on the open market and you go and you bid for it and you probably even bid for it at what a good lease would cost on the open market and you get it and you're really excited because the hammer goes down on your bid and you are the potential owner of this property now You will then have to pay a 10% deposit and you'll have to pay the auctioneers. Usually it's £1,000 or £1,500 depending on the value of the property itself, blah, blah, blah. And then what happens? You might be able to get a bridger to lend you the rest of the purchase funds. That is, if you're not buying it for cash... But even bridgers want to know that you have a good exit strategy. So they will ask you, what is your exit? What strategy are you looking to implement in order to pay us our money back? So if you say, I'm going to be selling this to somebody on the open market, they will know that that's not going to happen, not with the lease that you have. If you say, oh, I'm going to be remortgaging this or refinancing this um, to a term lender, they will know that your, your, your choices are going to be severely restricted. So again, they might not be happy to actually lend to you. So your problems might actually start immediately. But what can you do to make sure that you are not that Hosea? Chapter four, verse six person, that you are not the person who is destroyed for lack of knowledge. In the situation that I'm talking about, you would be the person who would pay a solicitor, a practicing conveyancer, somebody with the expertise to advise you on the property that you're thinking of buying through an auction okay fine they may charge you 150 pounds but wouldn't you rather lose 150 pounds than lose thousands and thousands of pounds because remember you're gonna have to pay your 10 percent you've probably paid your 10 percent um before you were allowed to bid, or you'd have paid some amount of money anyway, especially with online auctions and things. You have to pay you know, an amount of money to the auctioneer before you are actually allowed to bid. You're going to be paying your... Temp- you, how much is the property worth? If you're buying it in London, chances are it's worth about £200,000 or something. That's £20,000. Then if you don't complete... And the owner of the lease then sells it for less than what you agreed to pay for it and your deposit doesn't plug the gap, they can still come and sue you for the difference. So honestly, this is the first example of people who might do something that is detrimental to their financial well-being and only because they didn't know, because they didn't pay the person who did know to advise them. So please do not be that Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 person if you are buying leases in auctions. Go pay someone to advise you on the legal pack that's if you're not if if you don't have the skills to actually read and understand the packs yourself ground rents are very very important do not buy a lease that is unmortgageable because unless you want to just kind of like you know hold on to it and see what you can do with it initially it's going to be problematic for you. Now, there are ways to actually get out of these leases. One, you can negotiate to remove that clause. It will cost you, but better than, you know, not doing anything at all. Or if you're already in that situation, or you can afford to do so before you get your mortgage, then what you might want to do is get the seller to exercise their statutory rights of extension doesn't matter the length of the lease it could have 200 years remaining on you know the lease and the term you still want to extend the lease because once you extend the lease once you once you instigate the statutory extension procedure under section 42 you will be able to extend the lease by 90 years but In addition, the ground rent will then go down to a peppercorn. Um, That is what the statute provides. So, again, you can do it like that. Another way is to actually get an indemnity policy that, you know, Armageddon is not actually going to happen. But most lenders are not they don't like that so that isn't really an option um so you there are different ways in which you can get around this but when you are say for instance buying at an auction you know you've got 20 days within which to complete and you need funding the way to kind of like get yourself out of these bad leases and not get they those routes are not going to be open to you So, you know, the practical chances of you holding on to your deposit are going to be severely diminished. So honestly, get yourself educated, get yourself the knowledge. If you don't have it, buy it. Go to a professional person who will give you you the proper advice that you need so that you can make the right decision for you and you can continue to create generational wealth and not deplete whatever wealth you are creating. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this and I hope to see you next month. And if you've enjoyed it, like I say, honestly, please do rate and review these podcasts. But even if you can't rate and review, and to rate and review, all you need to do, especially if you are listening to Apple Podcasts, because most of my listeners do actually listen through the Apple Podcasts, is literally just scroll down to the bottom of the page and there will be a link there that you can click on in order to review what you are listening to. And if you can't do that, you know, people who drop me lines, who send me like messages on Clubhouse, who send me, again, like direct messages on Instagram, telling me how the podcasts have actually changed their investment journey. Honestly, again, to you people, thank you very much, because it is so encouraging just to know that, you know, what what little I am doing is actually making an impact to some people's, you know, business journeys which is why I started doing these podcasts. So again, I'm literally just going to say, you know, thank you to everyone who's doing it. And if you haven't done one already, please honestly do do it one way or another, you know, Clubhouse or Instagram or email, but preferably on the podcast platforms because that will just help other people find the podcast and also get to start to listen to them and get the same benefits that you are getting. Anyway, hope to see you next month. Yep, take care.